Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 35 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. He's uh, listing out some remarks on the work of grace that's been so remarkable among the people he's ministering to. And uh, we pick up with his uh, remark number five. It is further remarkable that God has carried on his work here by such means and in such a manner as tended to obviate and leave no room for those prejudices and objections which have often been raised against such a work. When persons have been awakened to a solemn concern for their souls by hearing the more awful truths of God's word and the terrors of the divine law insisted upon, it has usually in such cases been objected by some that such persons were only frighted with a fearful noise of hell and damnation and that there was no evidence that their concern was the effect of a divine influence. But God has left no room for this objection in the present case. This work of grace, having been begun and carried on by almost one continued strain of gospel invitation to perishing sinners. This may reasonably be guessed from a view of the passages of scripture I chiefly insisted upon in my discourses from time to time, which I have for that purpose inserted in my diary. Never have I ever seen so general an awakening in any assembly in my life as appeared here while I was opening and insisting upon the parable of the Great Supper, Luke. 14, in which discourse I was enabled to set before my hearers the unsearchable riches of gospel grace. Not that I would be understood here that I never instructed the Indians respecting their fallen state and the sinfulness and misery of it, for this was what I at first chiefly insisted upon with them and endeavored to repeat and inculcate in almost every discourse, knowing that without this foundation I should but build upon the sand, and that it would be in vain to invite them to Christ unless I could convince them of their need of him. Mark two seventeen. But still, this great awakening, this surprising concern was never excited by any harangues of terror, but always appeared most remarkable when I insisted upon the compassion of a dying Savior, the plentiful provisions of the gospel, and the free offers of divine grace to needy, distressed sinners. Nor would I be understood to insinuate that such a religious concern might justly be suspected as not being genuine and from a divine influence if produced from the preaching of terror, 
for this is perhaps God's more usual way of awakening sinners and appears entirely agreeable to scripture and sound reason. But what I meant here to observe is that God saw fit to employ and bless milder means for the effectual awakening of these Indians and therefore obviated the forementioned objection which the world might otherwise have had a more plausible color of making. As there has been no room for any plausible objection against this work with regard to the means, so neither with regard to the manner in which it has been carried on. It is true, persons concerned for their souls have been exceeding great. The convictions of their sin and misery have arisen to a high degree and produced many tears, cries, and groans, but then they have not been attended with those disorders, either bodily or mental, which have sometimes prevailed among persons under religious impressions. There has here been no appearance of those convulsions, bodily agonies, frightful screamings, swoonings, and the like, which have been so much complained of in some places, although there have been some who, with the jailer, have been made to tremble under a sense of their sin and misery, and have been made to cry out from a distressing view of their perishing state. Nor has there been any appearance of mental disorders here, such as visions, trances, imaginations of being under prophetic inspiration, and the like, or scarce any unbecoming disposition to appear remarkably affected, either with concern or joy, though, I must confess, I observed one or two persons whose concern I thought was in a considerable measure affected, and one whose joy appeared to be of the same kind. But these workings of spiritual pride, I endeavored to crush in their first appearances and have not since observed any affection, either of joy or sorrow, but what appeared genuine and unaffected. But, lastly, the effects of this work have likewise been very remarkable. I doubt not, but that many of these people have gained more doctrinal knowledge of divine truths since I first visited them in June last, than could have been instilled into their minds by the most diligent use of proper and instructive means for whole years together. Without such a divine influence, their pagan notions and idolatrous practices seem to be entirely abandoned in these parts they are regulated and appear regularly disposed in the affairs of marriage. An instance whereof I have given in my journal of August 14. 
They seem generally divorced from drunkenness, their darling vice, the sin that so easily besets them, so that I do not know of more than two or three who have been my steady hearers that have drank to excess since I first visited them, although before it was common for some or other of them to be drunk almost every day. And some of them seem now to fear this sin in particular more than death itself. A principle of honesty and justice appears in many of them, and they seem concerned to discharge their old debts, which they have neglected and perhaps scarcely thought of for years past. Their manner of living is much more decent and comfortable than formerly, having now the benefit of that money which they used to consume upon strong drink. Love seems to reign among them, especially those who have given evidences of having passed a saving change. And I never saw any appearance of bitterness or censoriousness in these, nor any disposition to esteem themselves better than others who had not received the like mercy. As their sorrows under convictions have been great and pressing, so many of them have since appeared to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And yet I never saw anything ecstatic or flighty in their joy. Their consolations do not incline them to lightness, but on the contrary, are attended with solemnity, and oftentimes with tears, and an apparent brokenness of heart, as may be seen in several passages of my diary. In this respect, some of them have been surprised at themselves and have, with concern, observed to me that when their hearts have been glad, which is a phrase they commonly make use of to express spiritual joy, they could not help crying for all. And now, upon the whole, I think I may justly say that here are all the symptoms and evidences of a remarkable work of grace among these Indians, which can reasonably be desired or expected. May the great author of this work maintain and promote the same here and propagate it everywhere till the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. I have now rode more than 3,000 miles, of which I have kept an exact account since the beginning of March last, and almost the whole of it has been in my own proper business as a missionary upon the design, either immediately or more remotely, of propagating Christian knowledge among the Indians. I have taken pains to look out for a colleague or companion to travel with me, and have likewise used endeavors to procure something for his support among religious persons in New England, which cost me a journey of several hundred miles, but have not as yet 
found any person qualified and disposed for this good work. Although I had some encouragement from ministers and others that it was hoped a maintenance might be procured for one when the man should be found. I have likewise of late represented to the gentlemen concerned with this mission the necessity of having an English school speedily set up among these Indians who are now willing to be at the pains of gathering together in a body for this purpose. In order thereto, I have humbly proposed to them the collecting of money for the maintenance of a schoolmaster and the defraying of other necessary charges in the promotion of this good work, which they are now attempting in the several congregations of Christians to which they respectively belong. This concludes episode 35 of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.